so wonderful to see all of you here today. Uh, it is a joy and a pleasure in my heart. It uplifts me and fulfills me to see and hear you worship the Lord through music. Um, it is even more potent because I know that while we might not always mean the words we say in the moment because we're human beings, in general, you all mean the words that you're singing. And so I'm so thankful that the Lord has developed in Vintage Church a spirit of mature worship. And um, it is a blessing to my heart. It's a blessing to my heart having been a part of most of the missional communities at different times that not only are you worshiping through music, but right now I have the utmost confidence that most of you will be worshiping through the word, uh, that you will be attentive, that you will be uh, long, longing, you will look at these words in a desirous way, knowing that they are the words of life that will not only help you walk in sanctification, but they will also help you understand more accurately how to fight off the attacks of the enemy and specifically today how we're going to see the attacks of false teachers within the church. It gives me a great deal of confidence in our future and the future of our children and our children's children. I want to give you, I want to give you some confidence and assurance that the groundwork that you're laying today is generational. It is generational. And we are setting up a work not only to protect us from false teaching, but to protect your grandchildren from false teaching. And if you're not actively a part of that, you need to be. You need to be. Because I believe that the Lord, I believe that the Lord not only curses genera generationally, but I believe he breaks the curse and he blesses generationally. And so the work you're doing today is a work not only to break the curse that you have in your family and your lineage, but it's also to start a new blessing, a new lineage of blessing for your children and your children's children. Nothing we do today is inconsequential. Nothing we do at our church, with our church, is inconsequential. Although the results may not be visible all the time, they are always there. And as we rely and lean into the word of God and we trust God's Son, Jesus Christ, the works will be fruitful. Have that confidence as we read and study the Word today. Will you pray with me? Lord God, you are holy and mighty and matchless. There is none like you. All of our hope, all of our trust, all of our future is in you. We do not walk as the uninformed, Lord, but we walk as those who have been enlightened, who have been redeemed by the light of the world, who have our path illuminated by the light in the darkness. May we walk in the light as he is in the light. Lord God, I just want to say thank you for my church. Thank you for this body of faithful believers. Lord, help all of those who are walking faithfully to continue to fight the good fight, to finish the race, to keep the faith. Help those who need a boost. 
Lord, to be boosted by the other's walk and to not sit in their own failures, not sit in their own inequities and aptitudes, Lord, but to walk in the light, a lamp shining on a dark path. Lord, we praise you because you love us and you never want us to be left out in the dark. You have given us the way and you have made it plain to us how we find him. What a great and merciful and loving God. We pray that you would just teach us from your word today. Help us to be able to fight any and every attack of the enemy. Help us to go to the source, your word, that gives us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. We praise you for your faithfulness in your word. We long for your truth from your word. We cherish the fruit of your word. Strengthen us by your word. Your word is truth. We pray and ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ and for God's people and for his sake. Amen. Last week we finished Peter's message on the true word of God. And what we found over the last two weeks is... Really, it's really been an introduction into a Christian's tactics against false teaching. We discussed the true word of God and how that word pertains to every Christian's ability to not only walk in sanctification, but to stave off the attacks of the enemy. There are some truths that we found that every Christian needs to know. One of those truths is that we need to understand the sources and reliability of the word of God. <clears throat> it's not some cliche. It's not some fun thing we teach the children when we do catechism. When I ask you who wrote the Bible and your answer is holy men who were taught by the Holy Spirit. It's not just some fun game we play to get the kids involved in missional community gathering. It is the truth, the objective truth that holy men were carried along by God as they penned the words in their own language, in their own personality, as they penned the words of God down for us to have from generation to generation as a stopgap, as a direction source until the return of Christ. We need to understand the sources and the reliability of the word of God. Peter said that the words of the apostles were from God. That the prophetic word that they understood, the prophetic word was from God. And the way they understood the prophetic word was from God. <clears throat> and we must believe. We also saw from the last two weeks that we need a personal, um, excuse me, we need to understand the necessity to pursue the word of God. If you ever forget the necessity to pursue the word of God, just read Psalm 119. If you're struggling with the understanding of the word of God, read Psalm 119. If you need a little pick-me-up, read Psalm 119. We need to understand the necessity to pursue the word of God. And we need to realize whenever it's possible, now I don't mean eisegete. Eisegete means when you insert yourself in the text when it's not there. What I mean is whenever it's possible, we need to personalize the word of God. This is how you apply the word of God to your life. 
How can Bryce keep his way straight? By living it according to your word. Personalize the word of God. Apply it to your life. Peter is not just instructing the church that doing these things would be a good idea, but would also be necessary for detecting and weeding out those who would come with any other word. The way that we find false teachers, the way that we find problems within the teaching of anyone is not by knowing what is false, but by knowing what's true. It's the truth that illuminates the darkness. If we were left with the task of learning everything that was false in order to be able to fight that, it would be too many because wide is the path of falsehood. But we're not left with that. We're left with an objective, understandable, easy to read, for the vast majority of it, truth. And that is how we measure what is false. You shine a light on the darkness. Anyone who comes to the church then with another word, other than the one given by God, other than the ones confirmed by the apostles, is a false teacher. Today we're going to look at those false teachers and we're going to try to identify their traits, (coughs) which surprisingly have not changed much over the years. As a matter of fact, I believe I told you this last week or I talked about it in missional community gathering. It was the tactic that Satan used in the Garden of Eden and he has continued to use those tactics. Listen, when you're messing with ignorant people, you don't need to use new tactics. Just use the ones that work. And for the most part, we're ignorant people until we are redeemed. So he's used the same, and sometimes even after we're redeemed, he uses the same tactics over and over and over again. So easy to spot, but it takes discipline and it takes study and it takes a little less gullible mentality to find. So today we're going to look at that. Look at 2 Peter. We're going to start in 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to go in verses 1 through 3 today. And we're going to look at false teachers among you. 2 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through three, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words." Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. I want to tell you something that concerns me more than any other areas as it pertains to the church. The church is more likely to be harmed from within than from without. But it seems that all our focus goes to what non-Christians are doing, to what is going on in the political realm, instead of what is happening within the church community that is hurting the church so much. There are enough destructive teachings within the church community, and I say church community because the church is the body of believers. The church community is everyone who associates with the church, not necessarily believers. 
There's enough destructive teachings in the church community so that we could spend a lifetime combating those. I would even say this, and I am guilty of this, so I'm sort of speaking to a mirror today, but any extensive concentration to anything outside of the erosion of the church community, outside of the false teaching within the church community, anything we put most of our time to outside of that is a distraction. And it's a purposeful distraction by the enemy. Because if he can get you to major on the minors, then he's got you. One of the biggest destructive teachings is the teaching of easy love and just this super fluffy unicorn cloud playland salvation where the teachers say God is love. He is my daddy and our biggest fan. He's the, he's the parent that might jump on a picnic table in your coach pitch so, uh, baseball game. Not saying that that happened with Deborah Holbrook or anything like that. He's my daddy. He's my love. Of course God is love. Of course he wants a relationship with you. But he is just as much just as he is love. And he is most concerned, not about a relationship with you, but keeping his character for his own glory. Churches that teach contrary to this truth are false teaching churches. Preachers who teach this easy believism salvation are false teaching preachers. I've made it a habit of not calling out these churches and sermons anymore. But if you want to know my thoughts on those churches, especially the ones in DeSoto County, all you have to do is ask. The other destruction that the other destructive teachings that come from within the church, within the church community, are the health, wealth, and prosperity teachings. Teachers like Benny Hinn and Creflo Dollar and Joel Osteen, Joseph Prince, Joyce Myers, Kenneth Copeland, Stephen Furtick, T.D. Jakes, and basically any leader on TBN. They are all false teachers. They are all false teachers. Now, I've pointed out some of the most obvious. I'm saving others for personal conversations because maybe some of those names might hit a little too close to home. And yes, you've likely heard something good come from the mouth of a false teacher because even a broken clock is right twice a day. And I believe this, friends, our sensitivity to false teachers proves my point that we have become ignorant as a church as it pertains to the dangers that lie within the church community. Mark and avoid these teachings. Mark and avoid their teachers. There is a new wave of false teachers that are coming, much like the ones that Peter mentioned. They are those who seek to fulfill the lust of the flesh. They approve of homosexuality and other things that go along with that. The leaders have been married multiple times. They live immoral lifestyles. Or they avoid preaching against basic Christian sexual morality because they are scared of things. <coughs> they are scared of uh, chasing away people who they might minister to. We are so scared of things going on outside of the church that we miss the fox in the hen house. 
We forget to check within. Paul addressed this in 1 Corinthians 5. He said, I wrote to you in my letter not to, associate, not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy or, and swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you would have to go out of the world. But now I am writing you to not associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. If he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater or a reveler, a drunkard or a swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Here's an interesting word when you get, when you get your snowflake sensibilities. Purge the evil person from among you. Now, some of you may have already thought that I've been too harsh by naming names and such. But in a way, the elders of this church are the gatekeeper, the gatekeepers of this local body. And we are responsible for sniffing out the wolves in sheep's clothing. I want you to know, friends, avoiding conflict in the name of love and not searching for and call or calling out these preachers in the name of peace is not actual peace. It's just simply a delaying of war, a delaying of even possible annihilation. And if you had come to Vintage Church in the first five years, you might have heard me regularly call out these churches or these people. But maybe in my own personal growth, and it's verses like, these that we read today, that we're studying today, I have learned that the best defense is a good offense. While I think it's necessary to call a spade a spade, I think it's more necessary to equip the saints to defend themselves, to proactively take on the attacks of the enemy. I think it's what Peter has done for us. Be ready, know the word, trust the word, use the word. But now we've come to a part of our text where we will talk more about false teaching specifically. So, for whether good or bad, you might get a little more 2013 to 2017 Bryce over the next few weeks. I want to spend our time today exposing the tactics of false teachers. And I've titled this point, and then we'll give some uh, tactics or some truths about false teachers underneath it, an introduction to false teachers. Before we dive too deeply, I want you to understand um, that there is a difference between a false teacher and a false teaching. Now, this may come as a surprise to you, and I can't think of an example, but I'm certain that over the last 10 years of preaching, there has been a time that I've accidentally told you the wrong thing. And it's maybe that I was ignorant, it's maybe by accident, or it may be that I was wrong and the Lord has changed me through sanctification. But either way, that was a false teaching. As a matter of fact, we have an instance of false teaching recorded by a great teacher in the Bible. Acts 18 says this, starting in verse 24. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. 
He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when, and when he wished to cross uh, to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who, through grace, he had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that, Jesus, that Christ was Jesus. Apollos was giving a false teaching because he had a zeal for Christ, but not a full knowledge. As soon as he was pulled aside, he more accurately spoke <coughs> with great power about Christ. There is a possibility for accidental false teaching, but that does not make one a false teacher. I tell you this, I make this distinguishment to encourage you because you're not going to accidentally become a false teacher by boldly proclaiming the words of Christ. I think you should study to show yourself approved. I think you should know the word, but you aren't a false teacher because you make a mistake. It would be more of a travesty, I believe, to say little or nothing to be wrong about some secondary issues. Plus, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us, and we have others to come alongside us like Priscilla and Aquila to teach us when we err. A false teacher is different. A false teacher is someone who intentionally uses the Bible, clever speech, and deception to lead people astray all under the guise of faithfulness, all under the guise of orthodoxy. Now, we've already discussed these false teachers in 2 Peter. They had denied the return of Christ. They had denied the necessity of holy living. They said that the world was going to keep going on. There was no final judgment, so there's no necessity to live holy lives. One reason that we must remember the importance of Peter's message is that false teachers are not new. <clears throat> when, when Peter said, but false prophets also arose among them, what he is saying is, is when Elijah was prophesying, there were false prophets. When John the Baptist was, for, was foretelling of the Lord, there were false prophets. When Jeremiah was, for, was foretelling of the Lord, there were false prophets. False prophets have always existed. This is why it's necessary to hone in on what is true, what, <coughs> what lasts, and therefore we can affirm is right. False prophets have always been around. Christians have always had the necessity <coughs> to weed out the bad and keep the good. This is why I say this seriously, and you need to hear me. This is the most practical, applicable thing I'll say today. Everything else is just information. If you watch any social media video about the Bible, if you watch any documentary or anything produced about the Bible outside of the legitimate biblical source, then you must closely examine and study what, it's, what the Bible says about that thing. Don't take any documentary, don't take any uh, social media video of somebody posting some wild theory at face value. In the media age, we are inundated with false teaching and we don't even realize it. Um, they left the gospel of Judas out. The Bible is left. They left so many important books out of the Bible. No, 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 they didn't. No, they didn't. 
while there were other extra biblical works that were profitable to the people of the time, they kept what was good and left out what wasn't under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Why is this book in or, or that book not? It's a conspiracy to keep women down and to keep the poor down. No, 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 that's not it. That's not it. Or, or they found this mysterious thing about Jesus. They found this mysterious thing about Jesus and, and you can trust it and you can see him through this mysterious thing. No, no, no. If you need more proof than the Bible, that says more about you than the Bible. I just assume anything that I see produced by anyone other than these few trusted sources that I have is false until I can prove it otherwise. And I think it would be a mistake to give the benefit of the doubt to anything we intake through social media, through documentaries or other easy, easily makeable media. We must be diligent to study and comprehend and hold fast to the word of God that he has preserved for us. I want to give you some quick, <coughs> I want to give you some quick examples or some quick um, truths, some quick things that all false teachers have in common. The first is they master in deception. They master in deception. But false teachers also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly be, bring in destructive heresies. We know for certain that one tactic of Satan, as he is a great counterfeiter, is deception. And he might even come as an angel of light, the Bible says. It sh we should not be surprised then that his followers would use the same tactic. Their message is false, Peter said. They taught destructive heresies. Heresy is the, the word for heresy simply means division. They caused divisions within the church. Now, if you have found yourself at different times being a divisive person, that doesn't make you a false teacher. That makes you wrong, but it doesn't make you a false teacher. You're just at, I guess, a different level of wrong. Don't be divisive within the church. But the word for heresies is divisions. And what these false teachers would do is they would take a little bit of truth and they would uh, veil the lie with truth and then they would make the actual truth unappealing. And then they would make you choose between the substitute or the truth. <coughs> this is false teaching. This is heresy. This is division. They come into the church under false pretense. They are one, we, I'm just one of you. We're all a part of the family of God. And they give a false message. Listen, we could listen to Joel Osteen preach and take much of what he says. But the thing that makes him a false teacher is not that he speaks truth and some lies. It's that his truth or his lies are dependent on the truth in order to be palatable. It's that he has an incomplete message about the Lord and what the Lord requires. And that makes him a false teacher. 
They don't throw out truth completely, the false teachers, but they pretend that they love truth and that if you loved God, you would love the truth that they had too. But that truth, what they are saying, is not what the Bible says. It's so close that the gullible and the weak in faith aren't able to distinguish the difference. They use the Bible not to lead people to God, but to not to enlighten, but to lie and deceive. Verse 3 says they come with false or feigned words. The word for false is plastos. What does that sound like in the English language? Plastos. Plastic. The word for false words are plastic words. Plastic words. These words are words that can be molded or twisted however they want. The same tactic is used in the world today. Vocabulary has become so twisted in the world today that we might be saying the same words and meaning two different things altogether. So when Stephen Furtick says God is love, he doesn't mean the same thing I mean when I say God is love because he has twisted the meaning of love. They use the same tactic as Satan in the garden. They question God's word. They deny God's word. And then they substitute their own lie. Did God say? Did God say? Surely you will not die. You will become as God's. As God. They question God's word, they deny God's word, and they substitute their own lie. Another person that is very good at doing this today is Andy Stanley. He's a false teacher. You should stay away from him. When I'm trying to teach my kids the right sort of foods to eat, we've got apples in the refrigerator and they sit there sometimes. They get lost in the back of the refrigerator and they come out with a black spot. They come out with a bruise. Or maybe they come out a little bit worse. I don't say eat what's good if it's bad enough. I don't say eat what's good and throw out the rest. You either have to cut out the bad spot altogether or you throw that one away and get a new one. So even though while you can get a few things from Stephen Furtick and Andy Stanley and maybe Joel Osteen and some of these other preachers, while you can get a few things from them, it would be better to just eat the fresh, crisp, clean apple, the fruit that is unhindered by bruise, that is unhindered by spoil. The thing is, friends, they are not willfully ignorant. And there was a time that I felt sorry for their audience. But do you know what the Bible says about their audience? Their audience is not willfully ignorant also. Their audience is part of the people who gather for themselves teachers who teach them what they already want to hear. They master in deception. They deny the truth of Christ. Secondly, even denying the master who bought them, 
All false teachers deny Christ. They do this by either leaving out part of his character or by preaching a new gospel altogether. They deny the one that bought them. Warren Wiersbe said this, False teachers are better known for what they deny than what they affirm. They deny the inspiration of the Bible, the sinfulness of man, the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross, salvation by faith alone, and even the reality of eternal judgment. They especially deny the deity of Christ, for they know that if they can do away with his deity, they can destroy the entire body of Christian truth. Christianity is Christ, and if he is not what he claims to be, there is no Christian faith. False teachers either practically or verbally and practically deny Christ. In 2 Peter 2.22, these people, these false teachers are noted as being unsaved. They are compared to dogs and pigs and not sheep. And this is dogs before we had a love affair with dogs. This is dogs when they were still considered scum of the earth. In Jude 19, which runs parallel to Peter, they are without the Spirit. There is room for interpretation on some of the finer points of Christian faith. But there is no room for interpretation on Jesus. He is exactly who the Bible says he is. We agree on that as one Spirit. We confirm it. And we do not relent on a single point of the truth of Jesus Christ. They deny the truth of Jesus. They master in deception. They deny the truth of Jesus. They seek to fulfill their lust for sensuality. Sensuality. Verse 2. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be blasphemed. The false teachers in 2 Peter 2 taught, uh, yeah, 2 Peter 2 taught that it didn't matter if you lived chaste lives or if you had a biblical view of sexual purity. The reason is all false teachers have a lust for licentious behavior. Licentious just simply means promiscuous or unprincipled in sexual matters. They either do so for themselves or they do so in order as not to scare off their audience. They make make Jesus unlike himself, therefore he is easier to follow. These teachers deny the truth so they can satisfy their own lust. If you look at every cult that has ever existed... There has been one thing in common, and that is the leaders typically have their choice of women and even children in a sexual way. Because they created a religion that allowed for their debased desires to be fulfilled. This is not uncommon though, friends. The Bible says, wide is the path that leads to destruction, and many will find it, but narrow is the way. Many will find (coughs) the path that leads to destruction. You know why? Because we, without Christ, are on a mission to accumulate people who confirm our own suspicions about life. We are on a mission for cheerleaders and not friends in the faith. We're on a mission for those who confirm our debased mindset and not people who correct us to follow the truth. Wide is the way. Because us and all our friends are on it if we are not trusting in Christ for our truth. This is why four out of five churches I saw in the north, the northeast had gay pride flags and trans flags on the building or they were shuttered. You can see them in our area if you look hard enough. Many will follow these false teachers 
but numbers are not proof of authenticity. Often numbers are proof that they are on the broad way instead. Many will follow these false teachers. What is a result of this type, these type of people who are in the church community? <clears throat> the way of truth will be blasphemed. How many times have you seen a spiritually appealing person use their power to do sexually immoral things? It happens in the church more than we want to believe. How do you feel when that happens? How do you feel when you hear about a youth director who has had inappropriate relationship with a teenager? Or a pastor who has had an inappropriate relationship with another woman or a younger person in the church and fulfill their lustful desires. They've left the chaste life. Do you feel happy about it? You're like, you do you. Love is love. No, you feel sad. You feel broken. And you feel embarrassed. And when the world looks at the church and says, yeah, and this is in the church, you can't help but agree with them. Although these licentious behaviors may creep into the church, they are not the way of Christ. This is not the way of those who follow Christ actually follow Christ. But those who follow Christ deny themselves, meaning they deny the confirmation of what their lustful heart wants. And they pursue what Christ wants. They take up their cross. They murder those thoughts in their own mind. They mortify their flesh. The way of Christ is to live upright and chaste lives. And if anybody tells you differently, they are teaching a false teaching and are more than likely a false teacher. <coughs> All false teachers change the message either publicly or practically in order to fulfill their personal lust. They deceive, they deny Christ, they fulfill their lust for pleasure. The next thing is this, they seek to fulfill their lust for money. Look at verse 3. And in their greed, they will exploit you with plastic words, with false words. The most prominent quality, if you can call it that, of a false teacher is greed. They want your money. And they get that by making you think that the blessings of God are merely or are mostly physical in nature. That if you give up of this physical thing you will in fact be rewarded with this physical thing. One of the most prominent ways to spot out a false teacher is if he, if he majors on the physical blessings of God and he minors on the spiritual blessings of God. The things that most people without the direction of God do not seek. They want our money and they can get us by making us think if we sow a seed of faith, then it'll be given back to us. It's a little bit of a predicament for true biblical Christians because I absolutely believe that if you give freely to the Lord in anything, I believe that it will come back to you. I do, 100%. I've seen it happen, 100%. But the predicament is, if you only believe that the purpose is to sow and receive, then you are off the path of biblical Christianity. Yes, if you sow to the Lord, if you give to the Lord physically, if you give to the Lord spiritually, if you give your life, he gives back tenfold. I believe it 100%. But I also know that just like a good gift on this earth, 
We never give back to the Lord thinking or expecting or with disappointment when he doesn't give. Because I will tell you, for as many Christians who have received tenfold, there are, Christian, there are more Christians who have given everything and not received physically what they've given back. They've died martyrs. They've died paupers. To make you think that they're going to bring you along with them on this road to wealth, health, and prosperity, but really they were just bleeding you dry and using you as a stepping stool to reach higher and higher levels. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians that his ministry was not a pretext for greed. Greed is what most all false teachers have in common. As Jesus and his followers denied themselves and ministered to the people, false teachers deny the people and minister to themselves. They flatter the hearers. They tell them words they want to hear, plastic words, all while saying, is God not on our side? Is he not for us? They are wolves in sheep's clothing while they are deceiving people. And those people are willfully, in, in large part, following them in mass. But the people aren't following Jesus when they follow a false teacher. They are following people. We know if we have any form of social media that trending people trend even further. It's like the snowball effect. All you have to do is write a song about Richmond, north of Richmond, and then the next thing you know, within weeks, you're selling out concerts all over the country and having a global tour. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but people want to be a part of trending things. False teachers trend because of their hollow promises. They trend because of their popularity. But they don't trend because they are bringing the truth. Wide is the path that leads to destruction, and many will find it. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few will find it. Watch out for teachers who spend a lot of time sowing, who spend a lot of time asking you to sow your seed of faith, or who relate blessings in this life to what we can physically give to God. There's one more certainty about false teachers that I want to I want to give you today and we'll close. Their destruction is sure. Their destruction is sure. Verse 3, the last part of verse 3 says, Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Peter also says their destruction will be swift. All false teachers lack divine authority. They promise the people peace when God, threat, when God threatens judgment. They promise the people no judgment when they will all be judged. The judgment of these false teachers was planned before the world was written, before the world was, the foundation of the world was laid, before the word of God was written. Jude 4 says it, and it goes along with Peter. Jude does. Jude 4 says, it was long ago designated for them condemnation. 
The word for destruction here points to future judgment. Their judge, the Father, the God of the universe, is not sleeping. Meaning that all false teachers will either be judged on this earth in some way or definitely at judgment day. Peter uses three Old Testament accounts to prove it. He used the angels that sinned in Genesis 6. He uses the world that they created that before the flood and the cause of flood, the destruction from the flood. And he uses the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. While we hope for faith and repentance of those false teachers, we hope that they turn from their false message and especially the salvation of those who follow them. Do not be naive about their end. I want to tell you, friends, if your, mind, if your mindset is this way, you need to change it right now. You should never be happy when a false teacher dies without repenting. You should mourn. Now, in a sense, it's a delight because they cannot go on teaching their false teaching anymore, but someone else is going to step up in their place. You should never say, well, they deserved it. If not for the grace of God, you could have walked into any church in DeSoto County who is teaching a message contrary to the one that you get week in and week out on this, on this, from this stage. If not for the grace of God, your parents could have not walked you to church or, drove, or driven you to church every Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday. If not for the grace of God, you could be the very one you despise. So when I think about Joel Osteen right now, I think, God, save that man. When I think about Andy Stanley, I think, Lord, cause him to repent. After all, false teachers are made in the image of God with souls that will never die. And unless they repent and believe the gospel, they will spend an eternity separated from the love of God and under the wrath and condemnation of God. False teachers will prevail for a time on earth because God is not a coercive God, but their foe ministry will come to a swift end. So what should we, what should we do as people of the church to avoid falling into false teaching? Trust, but verify. We talked about this on Wednesday night in MC. Trust but verify. Don't assume ever, ever, no matter where you are, here or anywhere else, don't assume anything you hear is the Bible. Trust that if someone has proven themselves to preach the Bible over and over and over and over and over again, that they're doing that, but verify what you trust. Trust but verify. Avoid commonplaces false teachers teach. Avoid commonplaces false teachers teach. Listen, the vast majority of TV preachers are false teachers. I know you don't want to hear that. But the vast majority of TV preachers in some way are false teachers. Some are a little more obvious than others. Some are a little more veiled. Not just because a church is large, but often large and relevant churches are false teaching churches. If a church promotes as one of the most prominent characteristics that you should know about them is that they're relevant, 
they are a false teaching church or any other form of that word. Avoid those type places. Friends, another thing, avoid internet prophets and pastors. <coughs> avoid or at least verify the truth of internet <coughs> prophets and pastors. Long before the internet, long before the internet, <coughs> the Lord made his own social media. And he made a way for the pastor to post every week, for the elders to post updates every week. He gave you a comment section, although it's a, a little more sanctified than Facebook. Sometimes. He gave you a way. He gave you a way to have someone to teach truth to you. He gave you a way for you to find truth. The last thing we can do is know the truth to see the lie. Know the truth to see the lie. You don't have to know every lie. You just have to know the truth. You just have to know the truth. And friends, I want to tell you, the basic things that you need to learn about Christianity can be attained in 30 minutes or less of concentration on the word of God and prayer a day. I'm not saying that should be a goal, but I am saying in 30 minutes or less a day, you can learn in a very short time everything that you need to know to live a successful life. Everything that you need to know to live a life of Christ. Know the truth to see the lie. Pray with me today. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We know that you love us because you've proven that through Jesus, but also you've proven that through the Spirit of God who you left with us to guide us. We know that you love us because you left the Word of God with us to guide us. And we know that you'll never leave us because those things will last until the day of Christ. The Word and the Spirit himself will last until the day of of Christ and forever. Your word is truth. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We give you today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.